Hello, welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I am Amy. And we actually have a new segment here for you today. It's called a peer review. So peer reviews, sometimes... Uh, have to be done by yourself. Um, so last week I said that you separated the cream from the chaff, um, but I was mixing up different agricultural idioms because I'm, I'm an idiom idiot. Um, so it's not separating the cream from the chaff, it's separating the wheat from the chaff. So it's like a whole other industry. It's farming. In some way. It's a different kind of farming. I'm pretty sure it's not the same farmers who are doing those two things. Oh, I mean, they've got to feed their cows. Um, but yeah, the, the issue is um, sometimes I say stuff without any background. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> also, English is not your first language, so it makes sense that you would mix up some idioms. That's why I'm calling myself an idiom idiot. But uh, yes, peer review. We have, a re- we have an actual listener. Yeah, from a real live listener who's got ears. So this peer review is from Zach. So the two ladies that I mentioned last week that ran away together, um, I said they had cats. They did not have cats. They had a dog. (laughs) That's just you projecting. I just want everyone to have cats. I think everyone should have cats. Cats are the superior pet. No offense, June. June is very offended. She looks very offended. Yeah. But yeah, they they actually had a dog and the dog's name was Sappho. And the historian who was writing about it still said that they were friends. So they were gal pals with a dog. Just gals being pals. Mm. Well, here we are. <laughs> so thank you, dear listener Zach, for giving us some peer review. If anybody else would like to contact us oh it's more peer review because lord knows we need it we need it you can contact us at unsightedpodcast at outlook.com or slide into our dms on twitter unsighted podcast we are now on the tweeters yeah we're moving up in the world i was thinking a fun way to kick off this podcast you know this is our third podcast so it's like the third date so maybe you should get to know us a little better so i uh, was wondering why did you go into English, Amy? Oh, that's a that's some deep cuts. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to be a writer. Um, so I wanted to write TV shows because I, I love TV shows and I always thought they were poorly written. Oh. Um, and I thought I could do a better job, but I didn't want to like go into screenwriting. I had a screenwriting program at the time. Should I bleep out Mm, yeah. I'll bleep it out. Yeah, you can replace it with the university had a <laughs> screenwriting program and I thought about going into it. It was a professional writing program. Um, but I really didn't want to like pigeonhole myself into something in case it didn't pan out or whatever. Um, so I was like, well, I want to tell stories and you know where stories are. They're in English and also history. So I did a major in English and a minor in history and here I am. I actually totally forgot you minored in history. Yeah, it's a it's a new thing. Um, you know, history. Yeah, brand new subject. I mean, I, the only reason I did it is because our university, who shall not be named, that shall not be named. Let's not personify. Whatever, him. you're ESL. I'm ESL. Only needed eighteen units of your minor credits. Yeah, for your minor. So I was like, hmm, yeah, that's like three courses. Oh yeah, that's like nothing. 
Yeah. I did more than that because I was like, well, I might as well. And I like this prof. I didn't actually like the prof. I just like, I got her. You know, you mm-hmm. know when you get a prof and you're like, sometimes you just get someone. Yeah. I'm like, I don't necessarily approve with everything that you've decided to do. <laughs> But you've made some choices in life. You've made some choices. You've taught us some things. So now we're here. And uh, yeah, I took a lot of her classes and she was great. Like she, she was, she's very knowledgeable and I loved her. Mm. Um, but she was also a little off the beaten path. And that's okay because she was a history professor. That's sometimes fun. That's my my hot tip. You usually have the hot tips for the youths of today, but that's my hot tip for the youths of today is that the professor totally makes the course. Like there's this website called Rate My Prof. I highly recommend you go on it and look up any prof when you're doing course selection if you have an option because we both found a professor in our first and second years and just totally followed them through every single year after that and adopted each other's favorite profs. Yeah, um, we had our favorite profs and our step-favorite profs. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so Rate My Prof is great. Take it with a grain of salt, but it's a good way to like start to like gauge kind of like what you're going to get into. And like you can always change classes within the first week, right? Like I, I did that once. We went to a class um, together and I got out of that class as fast as I got in it. And then I took a Canadian lit class and it was great. Can lit. Yeah. We can lit. We can lit. Um, (laughs) So Chantel, do you have uh, a reason for going into English? Yeah, English was like my best subject in high school. Like I knew that I had chosen the right major because I couldn't find my final exam for English class. And I was looking and looking for it. And I was like, oh my God, my teacher lost my exam. Like it's gone. Like I'm going to fail grade 12 and I'm going to have to repeat because my exam's not here. (laughs) I was freaking out. And then I went and asked my teacher and she was like, oh yeah, sorry, I kept it. It's mine now. Because it was so good. Yeah, it's just so good. See, that segues really well into your first English essay that you wrote in your undergrad. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why, but I was looking back at my first essays that I wrote in my undergrad, and I think my first year I just wanted to be, like, as disruptive as possible. You were very much a shit disturber. I mean, you were always a shit disturber in terms of, like... Yeah, that's kind of my identity. Criticism. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, I had a women's studies class and I handed her a final essay titled An Argument Against the Fight for Gay Marriage. Like it was about how we shouldn't call it gay marriage because there were still lots of people who couldn't get married who didn't identify as gay. And also there were other LGBT rights that we should be fighting for, like trans rights and homeless youth. Right. But I still handed it to her. And she still looked at me like, I'm a little confused about why you're going to this school and taking this class. Yeah, you have to understand the university that shall not be named. um, (laughs) We went to like a very specific faculty of it um, that was very, very like LGBT friendly. We went to a liberal arts friendly school. We fit in very well. So my first essay for... English was kind of like that. Yeah, your first essay for English um, happens to be on the piece of literary work we're going to talk about. What is it? Uh, we're going to be discussing Edgar Allan Poe's um, The Cask of Amontillado. 
Yay! Um, I have a, actually a really fun fact. So, oh, give it to me. On our first discussion group about this, and this is going to show you the progression of Amy as a student. <laughs> <laughs> My tutorial leader asks me, who here can tell me something about Edgar Allan Poe? I raise my hand because I, an intellectual, had a fun fact <laughs> that Edgar Allan Poe died on October 7th, 1895, mm -hmm. if, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. So I tell this to her prof and she looks at me like, thank you, as in, that's not what I wanted at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very specific, useless fact. But she was like, you have so much enthusiasm. Oh, it was 1849. Another not so fun fact about him is that he's also a ginormous racist. He was in the Confederacy. Oh, oh, buddy, be better. He has written one full length novel. It's called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. I hope I got that right. It's a very long name. It's like the length of some of his short stories. That's how long the title of his <laughs> novel is. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was wildly racist. So we're going to be, for a change, actually talking about the story separate from the author because the story is really good. Yeah, um, the story is fun, um, kind of creepy. And the author is dead and he's not profiting from it. No. And I don't think the like, he's necessary to understand the story. So the story is like, no, you know, it's gothic, whatever. It's yeah, it's a horror fiction. It's from like the 1800s or something. Yeah. That's as much context as we need. Yeah, really. Um, it's set in Italy. Uh, I don't think it was set in Italy. I think it might have been set in Paris. It's set in Europe. Montresor is a French name, um, and he's he describes the catacombs as like typical Paris catacombs. Okay. So unless it's not set in Paris and they're just like Paris catacombs, I think it's in Paris. Also, he makes a big deal about the fact that the other character is Italian. And if everyone's Italian, I don't think he would. <laughs> Right. So Amontillado is a sherry. No, you sound like Lucchesi. It's a type of sherry from from Spain. <laughs> Lucchesi can't tell the difference between Amontillado and sherry. Yeah, but it's a type of sherry. It's a subset. It's like champagne is specifically a bubbly wine, but if it's not made in Champagne, the region of France, it's not actual champagne. What are you serving at your wedding? I'm serving bubbly wine. <laughs> it just doesn't sound as good. But I love the word bubbly. I do. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Bubbly on its own. Yeah. Michael Bubbly also likes bubbly. That's true. He is a spokesperson, <laughs> which is the best use of his name. Yeah, it really is. So so let's just give a rundown of the short story. Yeah. Um, if you haven't read it, it's, it's pretty quick to read. If you want to pause this and go read it now, it's like six pages. But basically, it's told by the narrator Montresor. Montresor. He is presumably on his deathbed um, because the entire story sounds like a confession. Ah, uh, yes, another frame story. And it's set 50 years after the main action of the story. Yeah. So Montresor is telling us the story about his friend Fortunato and how he got revenge for this unnamed insult and the way he got revenge is that Fortunato was 
really into wine and he prided himself on being a wine connoisseur. And that is his ultimate downfall because Montresor is like, hey, I have this really cool cask of Amontillado and uh, I know you're super busy, so I'm going to go give it to your rival Lucchesi so he can tell me if it's real because I think I might have got ripped off on this bottle or something. And Fortunato's like, no, you can't show it to Lucchesi. Lucchesi doesn't know the difference between an Amontillado and a Sherry. And he like grabs Montresor and takes him to give him the wine. And then they're like walking into this catacomb. It's the Montresor family tomb. And they just keep getting deeper and deeper. And then Fortunato's like, yeah, let's drink some more wine. And he's already drunk. And then they get to the bottom and Montresor chains him to the wall and slowly starts bricking him in row by row. And then Fortunato realizes what's happening and he just starts screaming at Montresor and then Montresor starts screaming back. And then Fortunato goes silent for a little bit and he's bricking, bricking, bricking. And then Fortunato's like, okay, that was a really good joke. Let's go get the Amontillado now. And Montresor's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go get the Amontillado. Keeps bricking. And then he dies. And then Montresor leaves, and then that's the end of the story. What I like about, like, the bricking part, which I think needs to be, like, understood for people who decided, I'm not going to go read six pages, which, you know, fair, kid. That's fair. Um, (laughs) Is that earlier when they were walking down, like, in the crypt, like, they were walking down this big tunnel, and what's his face? Not Lucchesi. Montresor? No. Fortunato? Fortunato. Fortunato made, like, this um, mason sign, like, the Freemason. Yeah. And our buddy Montresor was like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, oh, you know. That's a really weird thing you're doing. Yeah, he was like, oh, you know, it's like a, it's a mason thing. And like, you know, Montresor was like, oh, I'm a mason too. Look at my trowel. And then like. And he like pulls out a trowel. Yeah. <laughs> and Fortunato's like, you're funny. Okay, let's keep going into this crypt. He's like, okay, I guess you're like a mason, but you're not like my kind of mason flips hair. You're the wrong, wrong mason. <laughs> You're a real mason, whereas I'm a mason with money. Um, so then when he's breaking him up, it's funny because, like, he just got, like, he told Fortunato, he's like, oh, yeah, I am a mason and I'm bringing you in a crypt. Ha, huh, funny. So that's where my thesis comes in, because the essay I wrote about this was specifically to be annoying because we were talking about it in class And um, my favorite professor was talking about how it's like really dark and Montresor is so evil. And I was like, I think the story's kind of sympathetic to him. And everyone turns to me like, what are you talking about? This story is so messed up. So I had to, you know, I had to make everyone (laughs) upset and hand in an essay about how he wasn't that bad a guy. I handed in an essay called Sympathy for the Devil as my first essay. You gonna give us your thesis? My thesis is that the story's more sympathetic than is immediately obvious to Montresor. And here are my reasons. Tell me your reasons. I am, I'm all ears. I remember editing this and being like, Oh, wow. She's smarter than I am. (laughs) Oh, wow. She's condoning murder, I think. Maybe I shouldn't be friends with her. But then you kept being friends with me for the next seven years. That wasn't even, like, the part that I was concerned about. I was more like, she's going to read my essay and she's going to think I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, condoning murder, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, we... 
Over the years, we've done uh, many a things that are <laughs> questionable. Uh, so start with condoning murder and work your way to back. To be clear, I'm not actually condoning murder. I just think that the story itself is more sympathetic to Montezor than people think. Yeah, and it's not even like real. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> nice but take. <laughs> That's a hot take. Yeah. Hot takes with Amy and Chantel. Yeah. So you want to give us, start with your first reason, Nala. Okay. So first of all, in the flashback, Montresor seems kind of loopy. Like he doesn't seem stable. And you mentioned one of the reasons that I listed in my essay is that he's like constantly cracking jokes on the way down. Like this whole thing is just a big joke to him. He's not taking it seriously. I don't think he's a stable person and I don't think he's in a frame of mind where he can like make good decisions. So you're like going for the um, mentally unstable and not guilty of murder? I mean, yeah, like sometimes. (laughs) In this case, I think that's it's... Like, he's obviously still guilty, but I think you can kind of see where he wasn't making good decisions, obviously. Okay, yeah. He, when he gets to the bottom and they they finish their exchange with the wall and Fortunato's like, for the love of God, Montresor. And Montresor's like, yes, for the love of God. Brick, 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 brick. Like, he's loopy. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, agreed. <laughs> Keeps putting grout <laughs> down. <laughs> I'm a mason. Bye. <laughs> Look at this trowel. Do you have one? Can you yeah. get out of here? Yeah, I think you can like, you can see the descent into the catacombs as a literal descent into madness. Like he's not thinking straight. Yeah. He plans it ahead of time, but he's, as soon as the insult happens that we don't know what it is, he just has lost all of his faculties. Yeah, it's premeditated, but it's also, like, crazy town banana pants. Yeah. Like, he could have just, you know, stabbed him with the trowel, but no. Should he have gone to jail for it? Yes, but he didn't, and it's a short story. (laughs) Yeah, um, and also, like, did anybody really go to jail for illegal things at the time? I think they just got, like, hanged. Or, like, stuck in a, in one of those things where you put your hands in your head or... I actually don't know. Um, also, I think most people didn't like Fortunato. Fortunato's really annoying. He's not a sympathetic victim. That's point number two. Don't, don't murder people because they're annoying. Just unfriend them on Facebook. However- I'm not saying you should murder your annoying friend. I'm just saying we all have the annoying person in our life where if they were a character in a story and then they got murdered, we would be like- yeah, that makes sense. Not in real life, but as a character in a story, he's not sympathetic. You know, they're the type of person that, like, if you're playing Among Us with them, you would just be like, okay, yeah, Orange is sus, even if, like, you know they're not the imposter. But you're like, ah, it's just an, oh, we need to get him out of this place. Like, enough is enough. What game are you talking about? Among Us, you know, the game with the, the little... Among Us? Oh my gosh, I'm telling you, are old. No, it's before, <laughs> it's after my time. No, it's like right now. I don't know. I'm not relevant anymore. (laughs) Um, Our peer review board will understand my (laughs) reference to not murdering your friends, but booting him off the game. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll allow it. Okay. So point number two. So point number two, Fortunato's not a sympathetic victim. Okay. So like, first of all, Montresor, his big trickery is not like, 
come down into the catacombs. I'll give you some wine. It's like, I have some wine. I'm not giving it to you. I'm giving it to somebody else. It has nothing to do with you. See you later. Have a good night. And Fortunato like drags him into the catacombs to get the wine because he just, he's like, pride is his hamartia. Fancy words. I know. $10 words. Yeah. He thinks he's so great at tasting wine. He keeps repeating this thing about Lucchesi. And every time Montresor is like, we should turn around. He immediately follows it with like, Lucchesi can tell me. And then Fortunato's like, no, I'm not going to let Lucchesi taste this wine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's more like, okay, so Montresor angry at Fortunato. Fortunato, just his annoying friend is Lucchesi. <laughs> He doesn't even need the Amontillado. Like, he's already drunk when he runs into Montresor on the street. And then on the way down, Montresor just, like, pulls out a bottle of wine from his pocket. And Fortunato's like, yeah, we should taste this. We should taste the whole thing. Every bit of this bottle. And he, like, drinks the entire bottle on the way down to taste more wine. I feel like Fortunato's need for Amontillado is very much, like, just a prideful thing. Where he's just like, I am gonna be the one... Who's going to taste Amontillado? And nobody can take that away from me. I want to be able to say that I tasted Amontillado because I know what yeah. it tastes like. Totally. You know, like that that person who's like, I went to LA one time. <laughs> I'm like, I spent a month in Cairo. I don't know why Cairo came into this. He's like that person who does an exchange in Europe and then they get back and they're like, take me back. Oh my gosh, Paris had the best croissants. Tim's will never compare to Paris's croissants. Like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, like, okay, that's fair. We know. We get it. Like, if you're going to go to, like, you know, the French capital, of course things are going to be better than Tim's. But, like, every time I get a Tim's croissant, you can't be like, mm, when I went to France, I had Like, go to Rabba and it'll still be better than Tim's. Say what you will about Tim's, okay? The coffee sucks. I will say it. But I find their breakfast croissant sandwiches with bacon delightful. You may have that opinion. Thank you. You're so welcome. This is not a Trash Talk Tim's podcast. This is an (laughs) unsighted podcast. I'm going to go back to trashing Fortunato instead of Tim's. Okay. He's such an idiot because Montresor is like so obvious. He's literally like, come down into my murder tunnel and step over this pile of bones and watch me carry around a trowel and drink my murder wine. I'm not going to murder you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, uh, so Fortunato was like coughing at one point and he was like, Montresor um, was like, hey, you want to turn back? And he was like, no, no, this isn't going to kill me. And he's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're yeah. correct. That's not what's going to kill you. Nope. Anyway, let's keep walking down the murder cones. <laughs> Every single thing he does screams murder. Do you remember his family crest? The foot on the serpent that's biting yeah. biting the foot. Yeah, it's like a gold foot stepping on a serpent that's biting the foot. Yeah. And the motto is the Latin phrase that means um, no one can harm me unpunished. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. And Fortunato was like, I'm going to insult this guy and then follow him into the murder catacombs. (laughs) Also, it's like there's critics that think that Fortunato has like risen to power because he's a Freemason. So like they didn't accept lower class people, but being in the Freemasons would kind of like raise your status. And then Montresor, he's old money. How old? Old as balls. 
nipples. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like, there's definitely a class thing, and I feel like this is kind of Montresor trying to put Fortunato a bit of his, in his place, you know? Yeah, so Montresor, he wants to go back to his place after the murder and I guess clean up. And he says the way that he gets his servants to stay out the whole night is to say, I'm going out all night. I won't be back till late. Don't leave the house. And that's how he gets them all to leave the house. <laughs> like, he has disloyal servants. Fortunato can't remember his coat of arms. That's why we know it, because Fortunato's like, what's your coat of arms again? So it's like his family's not relevant anymore. Like, people don't know them. So they've, like, he's fallen out of the public eye. He's probably jealous of this idiot Fortunato who's just parading around with his new money. It smells like new money dresses like fake royalty. Is that the lyric? Yeah, okay. that's the lyric. Uh, so, like, he sees Fortunato as the snake. He sees him as, like, a lower being. And he's gonna, I guess, trap him under the ground. And that's what he's gonna do. That's his, that's his big revenge. My favorite part, though, is how he... Like, till the very end, Montezal's like, hey, you want to turn back? Yeah, like, literally, when he ties him up, he's still like, so we can turn back if you want. Like, he chains him to the wall, and he's like, we can turn back, but we can turn back. But Fortunato's so up his own ass. Because, like, you know, Montezal's telling him, like, oh, yeah, and that small little alcove right there, that's where they want Tiato is. And Fortunato's like, oh, where? It's so dark. Blank chain to the wall and it's like over a pile of bones like there's literally bones on the ground he's stepping over bones to get to it nobody has brought a cask down here in the past like hundred years probably these bones have recently been moved you can see the dust line buddy run away there's a flashing neon sign outside the catacombs that's like no one's been down here in 50 years it's like, so you know when you're you're walking in, like, rich neighborhoods? Like, you see these houses with, like, these huge windows. The murder windows? Murder windows! Um, and, like, you know you don't babysit in those houses because you're like, this is a big sign saying you will be murdered by the call coming yeah. from outside the house. Inside the house. <laughs> um, so, like, the problem here is this literally happened to Fortunato. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I gotta go. I gotta go drink it. I must get crunk. I'm actually fine. I just want to drink wine. It doesn't matter what happens. This is fine. If I die drinking a Montiato, at least I've drank a Montiato. And the best That's part- That's how I go. He never gets it. Because it doesn't exist. Because it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's not real. And if it was, Montresor would not be storing it at the bottom of a catacomb that takes like 10 minutes to walk down. Like the entire story is them walking down. They're walking down for five of the six pages. So this is a tunnel narrative. <laughs> and then like Montresor, he's telling it so far in the future that it's kind of like, yeah, it's over. Like it happens. You know how when you hear something that somebody did in high school and you're like, yeah, that was a terrible thing for you to do, but you were in high school and you probably know better now. Yeah. Like that's the vibe I get from Montresor telling this story. Yeah, I have a lot of friends from high school who have done questionable things in high school. They haven't, you know, put anybody in crypts and killed them and whatever. But like, you know, they... That you know of. I mean, I was a very nice person that people confided in. I know a lot of secrets. Um, <laughs> so I feel like somebody would have told me by now. <laughs> but you know, they do like some crazy stuff. And then you're like, oh, yeah, 
that checks out. Like, they they live, they grew up, it's fine. We grow from things. And he sounds remorseful. He calls Fortunato, like, my dear friend, and the noble Fortunato, and he seems genuine you know like those are the words he's using and he doesn't sound like he's being ironic for once in his goddamn life or maybe they just became friends after he died in a weird like i went to see his crypt all the time you know maybe it's one of those (laughs) so sad his last line in the story is the latin for rest in peace which is just like a hard left from the other Latin line on his family crest, which is like, it's it's ambiguous. He could mean like Fortunato, rest in peace. He could be just being a jerk like he was for the rest of it and be ironic like, haha, rest in peace, but you won't because you're in a crypt and no one knows you're there. Or it's like, he's also probably on his deathbed. So it could be like, myself, rest in peace. I'm dying now, the end. R.I.P. Yeah. I want this short story from Lucchesi's point of view. <laughs> where he's just like he hears in like the back of his mind like somebody has a Montiato and he's like the fuck is that and like he's mm. like oh, I haven't had the pleasure of being annoyed by Fortunato in a while I wonder where he's off to <laughs> like I just want like the bits and pieces of the story and the fallout coming out from the you know the webbing you want a long form cask of Montiato adaptation yes also, I think to prove how like annoying and foolish Fortunato is, um, was R.I.P. Um, <laughs> we have to also bring into the fact that he was dressed like a jester. Yeah, that's true. Like it's some sort of festival. It's Maybe carnival. it's the Twelfth Night Festival. Wouldn't that be a fun tie-in? That would be a fun tie-in because you know Twelfth Night is the epiphany. It's like the night that you're allowed to do basically whatever. But yeah, it's a carnival and he's dressed like a jester, which is a foolish character because he's a fool. He is a fool. Pity the fool. (laughs) He doesn't deserve what he gets, but you can see how he got himself in that situation. So we're not going to victim blame, but I do think it's possible that Fortunato did not like help his case. Because, like, Montresor was never caught, so nobody really cared to go figure it out. Yeah, like, no one, like, Fortunato just disappeared one day, and then no one knew what happened. They were like, hmm, maybe he went, like, on a trip, and then just never came back. Yeah, like Jax. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, that's my hot take on the cask of Amontillado. Um, I think that it's a good one. I always, so I read this in high school and at the time I was like, oh my gosh, Poe, wow, amazing, love him. Cause you know, I was pretentious, but <laughs> like rereading it in university after my, you know, October 7th nonsense, I always thought that it was, it's not necessarily creepy. Like the gothic aspect to it doesn't really play out for me. I don't know if it's because of like, we're looking at it like 150 years, like after the fact or whatever. Um, but I never got creeped out by it. Maybe I'm weird. It's kind of just like so messed up. Like when I was rereading it for this, I was like, wow, that's really messed up. He's just like screaming, like Fortunato's screaming and the Montresor is just screaming back. They're just like two guys screaming at each other through this wall and one of them's tied up and one of them's bricking the other one in. This is just German dungeon porn. (laughs) Right? That, that was, that's why Fortunato was like, ha 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 ha. Good one. He's like, this is my kink, but I did not consent. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, I never found that the, the gothicness really came through to me. Like, I was always like, oh, that's weird. But like, also, I was like, huh, cool foreshadowing. 
Because there's a lot of it. Like it's dark, but it's not the most messed up of the Poe stories. The Telltale Heart is much, much more unnerving. Yeah, or like The Pit and the Pendulum. I haven't read that one. Uh, It's about the Spanish Inquisition. Mm. You didn't expect it, did you? No, I did not because we never expect the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) You, did you watch The Poe Party by uh, Shipwreck Comedy? No. Oh man, it's a bunch of people who did also the adaptation of the Lizzie Bennet diaries, like some of Oh, I love those. If you haven't seen them, they're like modern retellings of classic stories, but like in vlog format. Yeah. So the girl who plays Lydia is also in this other production company called Shipwreck Comedy, and they did the Poe Party, which is a dinner party with a bunch of these like writers from centuries. It's great. You need to watch it. I feel like my partner was telling me about this. I think I told you about it. Possibly you both told me about it. You have very similar tastes. We, we are very similar people. I'm basically just dating you. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. And like, it's it's a comedic, dark miniseries. That's what it's called. It's a miniseries. Yeah. It's really, it's, a, it's like a, you're a whodunit murder mystery, which is great. Um, and that was, that gives me the same vibe as the Gascon Montiato is what I'm trying to say. Because um, it's, it's kind of dark, but it's also like pretty funny at the same time. <laughs> Um, and that's kind of how I feel when I read this, you know? Like, it's not funny when you're reading it. I don't think it's funny. But then if you think about it too much and then you go back to it, you're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's one of those, like, English major ones that, like, when you go back to it, because you have to, like, dissect it, you're kind of like, oh, cool. Like, this is fun, you know? Because, like, parts are fun. It's a fun read, for sure. Yeah. But, like, you know when you say bowl too often? And then doesn't feel like a word anymore. That's how the gothic feels to me. Like, I've read this so many times at this point that I'm like, gothic is meh. Like, this is just fun times <laughs> with Montrezal. Unfazed. Cool. Whatever, you know? <laughs> his skeleton has been sitting in the catacombs for 50 years. It's whatevs. It's cool. It's whatever. We'll find him when we have to start digging underground to build housing. And the subway. So... This is a lovely gothic little short story on a scale of Sherry to Amontillado. Sherry being one and Amontillado being five. Where would you rate it? <laughs> um, Like a 4.5, which I would go with like a fun, zesty Sauvignon Blanc, you know? <laughs> it's fun. I enjoy reading it. You know, when I saw it on our reading list, having even read it before, I was like, yeah, I'm going to reread this. Yeah. Yeah. Give me it uh, my favorite wines rating. So you liked reading it. Yeah. Where is it not hidden for you? I think like it's not hidden in like the way that, you know, it, it's not really like entertaining in the long run. So like it's fun when you read it. It's cool when you're analyzing it, but you forget about it. You would not consider it a memorable piece of literature? Oh no, it's memorable, but it's not like the, the one when like people are like, oh, like what's your, your favorite short story? I don't go for the Casca Montiato. Right. Gotcha. Like it's a, it's a baseline when they just give to us, right? Yeah, I can see where it's kind of like a baseline short story out of the gothic genre. Whereas, like, whenever I think about short stories, like, I think about, like, the really weird ones, like A Rose for Emily or, like, The Yellow Wallpaper. I was gonna say A Rose for Emily. Like, A Rose for Emily is probably my favorite one, simply because, like, sometimes I'll be, like, lying in bed and then I, like, it pops in my brain. I'm like, oh, right. Wow. Okay. Fuck. You see some of your hair on the pillow, it pops into your brain. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, corpses. Okay. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) Yeah, 
I think it's a, it's a good 4.5. Okay. I think that's all we have for you for today. Thanks for listening to Unsighted. Don't forget to subscribe. You can now listen to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts, which means you can now rate us five stars on iTunes. We do appreciate grades and we love A pluses. Please and thank you. So thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. And as always, we're excited, unavailable. had a lot of tangents <laughs> when do we not it's a comedy podcast not a literature podcast